Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Dr. John Myberg, Professor of Intensive Care Medicine at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia, and author of a comment discussing a reanalysis by Michael Levin and others of the FEAST trial, which looked at the adverse effects of the administration of saline or albumin fluid bolus and resuscitation. Dr. Myberg, the results of the Fluid Expansion of Supportive Therapy, or FEAST trial, challenged established clinical practice and has generated substantial debate about the safety and efficacy of bolus fluid resuscitation in vulnerable patient populations. Can you briefly discuss the findings and why they have been so controversial? Well, this landmark pragmatic study was conducted in an African population of patients whereby a large population of very sick children were randomized to receive either boluses of fluids, which is regarded as a standard of care, either albumin or saline, or no boluses of fluid. And this was done to address a fundamentally important question as to whether or not the administration of bolus fluid improves survival. What's important in this context is that this therapy was regarded as a standard of care. Because of concerns about the efficacy of this, particularly in this patient population, this large-scale trial was done and produced results that challenged current thinking. What the FEAST study investigators demonstrated was that the administration of boluses of fluid, either albumin or saline, increased mortality or the rate of death in these very sick children in sub-Saharan Africa. The results of this trial have substantially challenged clinical practice and many guidelines around the world. One of the major controversies about this was the fact that this was done in a low-income environment where these children were treated in institutions or facilities that didn't have access to high technology that we have in high-income countries. And so many people who didn't like these results question the applicability or the generalizability of these results of trials done in Africa to high-income countries. What's important in the study is that the study was done according to very high levels of research practice, very high levels of internal validity. In other words, this was a highly skilled group of researchers conducting impeccable research to answer a fundamental question. And therefore, these results must be taken with great consideration because whilst they may not necessarily have been done in high-income conditions, these results are in fact applicable to all patients around the world. And these results have now warranted a rethink about how we use intravenous fluids, one of the most common interventions in acute medicine, both in children and in adults around the world. Levin and colleagues have done a reanalysis of the FEAST trial to try and understand the increase in mortality. Can you explain the methods they used and the main findings of the analysis? Well, this is an important addition to the literature because the FEAST study was a study that was designed to work out whether or not there was an increase in death between patients who received boluses or not. The trial was not designed to look at the mechanisms of differences of action. Now, what's happened is that two studies which have looked down at as to why this difference occurred because there is some uncertainty as to the actual mechanism even though the difference in mortality or death is significantly different. What Levine and colleagues have done is a very important reanalysis of the FEAST study database attempted to drill down and find 
mechanisms from the database to work out why this difference in death occurred. What they did was to design a series of scoring systems to work out differences between boluses and not boluses on the different organ systems, respiratory or breathing, neurological and cardiovascular. These are the three systems that were most likely to have been affected by fluids. They designed a novel scoring system, which has not been used before in research or in clinical practice, added to the database from a number of other studies and registries around the world to broaden the generalizability, and then tested the validity of this database against the fee study database to see whether or not some patterns of plausible organ failures could be addressed out of this analysis. So the trial is that Levine and colleagues have done is largely exploratory, but it is importantly, it is based on accepting the results of the FEAST trial, that there is a difference in mortality between boluses and non-boluses, and then to work out mechanisms. What they have shown in their analysis, which of course is largely exploratory, but adds to the understanding of the results, is that there appears to be a consistent signal that the administration of fluids results in short-term improvements in cardiovascular function, but this comes at the cost of deteriorations in respiratory function and in brain function, which occurs both in the acute period and extends into the longer period, and in fact is the predominant cause of death. Now what this study describes is that the effects of the fluids themselves may result in subsequent or later organ failures, but also that the type of fluid used may generate changes in physiology, particularly in the biochemistry of patients that may additionally add to the increased rate of death. What are the limitations of this analysis and how should these results be interpreted in the wider clinical practice of fluid resuscitation and sepsis and septic shock? Well, of course, this study with reanalysis is simply that. It's a reanalysis of the primary findings. It was done with the knowledge of the results and therefore any reanalysis has to be hypothesis generating or in this context is a way to define mechanisms of action. The limitations are that the scoring systems that they use to quantify organ failures have not been validated in any large clinical trials, but they are a novel approach to try and work out how the organ failures occurred in this particular context. So that in itself is exploratory. It is speculative because the study itself wasn't designed to specifically test different kinds of fluids in terms of their impact on biochemistry. And a lot of the mechanism that were generated are based on what we call process measures. In other words, there were changes, short-term changes in physiology and short-term term changes in biochemistry. And these associations may or may not be result in mechanisms of death. So what we are describing here are a series of confounders or confounding bias, which occurs in post-hoc analyses of trials. Now, the investigators or Levine and colleagues uh, spent a lot of time in trying to mitigate these things by having a very large data set, but they recognize that this is exploratory analysis and it's an important contribution to the literature. What this means in terms of implications for clinical practice is that it adds further insights into the adverse effects of bolus fluid vulnerable patient populations. And in fact, what it tells us is that whilst we may see transient improvements in cardiovascular function associated with the administration of fluids, 
this invariably comes at the cost of deteriorating respiratory and neurological function, both in the short term and long term. And this is an important addition to the literature. In addition, there appears to be a substantial impact on patient biochemistry as a result of receiving these fluids. And the generation of a metabolic acidosis or a hyperchloremic acidosis associated with administration of chloride may be an additional mechanism by which fluid bolus resuscitation causes increased mortality. What further research is needed now and what trials in this area are currently underway to help inform clinical practice? Well, one of the conclusions of the Levine analysis was to suggest that normal saline or saline-based solutions in themselves will generate a metabolic profile in these patients that may be harmful to patients, specifically the generation of a hyperchloremic metabolic acidosis. There's a lot of information out there from observational and registry trials that support this hypothesis, but ultimately this question can only be addressed in the context of properly conducted blinded randomized controlled trials, comparing the efficacy and safety of buffered or bad salt solutions against saline solutions. Now, unfortunately, there are a number of these trials underway. The PLUS study being conducted in Australia and New Zealand is a blinded trial of nearly 9,000 patients comparing the efficacy and safety of buffered salt solution or plasma light versus saline in the ICU patients. And the Brazilian intensive care network is conducting a larger trial, a trial called BASICS, comparing plasma light and saline in a more diffuse ICU population. So the results of these two large-scale trials that are currently underway are recruiting in Australia, New Zealand and in Brazil will provide us with compelling information to inform us about benefits or not of buffered salt solutions versus saline solutions as suggested by this Levine reanalysis. Dr. Myberg, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. You're welcome.